welcome to another episode of Bevington Banter with your hosts, Cassidy Pocock, my father, Randy Bevington. And as promised, today we have with us my brother, Cade Bevington. He is here because today we're going to be breaking down the disaster that was our pullout from Afghanistan and also the fact that Saturday marked 20 years since the 9-11 attacks that took us there in the first place. Good to go. I'm specifically here because I am an expert at doing stupid things and Afghanistan could not have been any more stupid. I'm an expert. You could spot stupid from a mile away. Yeah. Uh... I have a I have a master's degree in stupid, but I'm going to do my best to break down this Ph.D. level stupidity that is the Afghanistan. You can withdrawal. explain it on a level at which are us mere near peers. Yes, an, a near peer level. I'm not quite as sophisticated as as how stupid they can be, um, but I'll well, do my best. I say we just started off with, first of all, we know the reason that we are there to begin with being the attacks uh, of 9-11. I think many people, especially as we could see this year, seem to have forgotten how significant that was. One of the people who seemed to forget how severe it was, uh, was good old George W., who, uh, who thinks that January 6th was just as serious as Al-Qaeda attacking the United States, killing almost 3,000 people. But Al-Qaeda and the people who, who rushed into the Capitol they are children of the same foul spirit. I would like to play devil's advocate for a moment. I know that everything it pointed to, that's who he's referencing. However, he never explicitly referenced the January 6th uh, event. He said, yeah. in general, people who were causing... There has never, been, there has never but, been a domestic act but, no, as bad as No, I'm saying where I could hear BLM, Antifa. However, I would say it's... Yeah, that he wasn't saying that because he's previously come out in support of them. He said he talked about the attacks on our national monuments, our national. I don't know if that was the right word, but it was about it was along those lines referring to only that can only mean one thing. The attack on the Capitol, it it did not relate to an Antifa or BLM riot. It it equated to our national um, memorials or something to that effect. So that can only mean one thing. Regardless of whether you think that we should have stayed or should have pulled out, I think we can all agree that the way that this happened was an abject disaster. And so that, I think, is what we mainly want to break down here. So starting, really, I think the everything that we saw at the Kabul airport started with it was inevitable once we pulled out of Bagram Air Force Base. And we have an article, Biden's Bagram Bug Out in July by Andy McCarthy, in which he wrote that the hub of the U.S. military enterprise in Afghanistan since 2002 has been sprawling Bagram Air Base. In early July, the Biden administration had the dwindling U.S. forces evacuate Bagram in the dead of night, giving no notice to the Afghan security forces to whom the base should have been formally transferred, thus enabling looters to scavenge the compound for hours before the Afghan forces could get there. And he also says the Biden administration guaranteed that there would be no turning back from the decision to pull out. No matter how bad things got, U.S. commanders would have no military options. That that I mean, pulling out of the base like that, especially in the middle of the night, not saying a word 
to our supposed allies. I mean, we did, I, as far as I can tell, we didn't say anything to, to the Afghan troops. We didn't say anything to our, to our other allies as well. And we are, you're starting to talk about um, Bongino always breaks people's actions down, especially when it comes to politically between nonfeasance, misfeasance, and malfeasance. I mean, if you don't know the definition of those, you can pause this and look them up real quick. Malfeasance is, it's deliberate. I mean, there is a, there is a party who is hurt in the process of whatever action you just took. I mean, nonfeasance is, it's still not good, but it's, it's negligent. I mean, it's making a decision that causes damage negligently. Malfeasance, it's bordering on malfeasance. It, it almost seems intentional. I mean, you, it's, it is, they're either, they're either evil or stupid. There is no return. They're another stupidly evil. In another article by Kelly Laco of Fox News, uh, a former ambassador at large for counterterrorism under President Trump administration, Nathan Sale, said that it was the most important misstep, the decision to leave the base. And he said the base would have been far better for evacuation efforts because it, of its location and it's easier to defend, while the airport that we did use was much more dangerous and susceptible to attacks. So they set up and that and that's where i would say that's where i would say that misstep might not be the best word to choose there because that implies misfeasance um whereas malfeasance mal that's it's malicious that's that's where that word comes from as as opposed to misstep misfeasance it was it almost seems deliberate when i look at the sequence of events and what they actually did I know this really is hard for us to believe as Americans, but I come to the conclusion that it was intentional. So that puts it into the category of malfeasance. Yeah. Here's why I say that when you ultimately boil it down, they kept telling us that they had no idea that the ANA, the Afghan National Army, you know, was going to collapse and in, in the government so quickly when that they they belie that point when they left without telling the ANA or any of our allies and they shut the power down. So they left in the middle of the night. They didn't tell anybody and they shut the power down to the base. So um, that means they knew that this was over. It was over. If you thought the ANA was going to stand up for a while, was going to fight back for a while, you don't shut down the power to Bagram Air Force Base and leave without telling them. That belies the fact that they knew that as soon as they were gone, this thing was going to collapse immediately. That's intentional. Biden, in an article from the, the Post, Biden claimed that the military advised him to close this base. And, um, and if that's true, if that's true, then right, the disasters on General Milley's watch, or if Biden's lying, which could also, there's some sources that point to that, well, then, then Milley didn't push back. He doesn't know what back. he's saying. Right. He's saying so what they're who, telling him to. He's, he's, it's a lie by proxy. Either way, right, not, either way, the, there's people responsible for, for this decision. We really should, we really should cover the whole, the whole Biden thing. I mean, right off the bat, we should have put a disclaimer that, um, Biden's not in control of any of this. Right. Uh, it's it's it isn't Biden. Um, he doesn't know whether or not we should have pulled out of Bagram. Um, he, he doesn't know. He may very well have listened to the counsel of his, uh, uh, you know, of his top brass. But we not just this Afghanistan, but we've been seeing for a little while now that the top brass has some problems. 
I would love to get fat Mark Milley in a room alone to, for 10 minutes. I can't tell you the absolute disdain I have for him and Lloyd Austin. They disgust me as military people. Um, Bagram, they, the only argument they made about not using Bagram is that the distance outside of Kabul. Well, arguably that makes that, it far more defensible. That, yeah, exactly. Been, and that's what I was just going to say. The truth there? of the matter is, is that makes it better because right. people did travel. They did travel by vehicle. There were means for them to get to the airport. They could have got to Bagram. And that makes it more defensible because you're traveling in an open area where vision is, is good and you can see if there's going to be problems and it can be defended because you have vision. Not to mention you're worried about people being able to travel outside Kabul to the air base. Well, there are plenty of people in Afghanistan, Americans and people who helped us not in Kabul in the rest of Afghanistan is not just that one right, city. It's not just Kabul. So about, people are going to have to travel either way. Think if you're about out traveling through a wide open, almost desert, rocky landscape and you don't have cities, streets, and buildings everywhere. Now you can put drones up. You can see who's moving, who's coming in. And guess what? If there is a problem and as it approaches, when it's still 10 miles away, guess what? Airstrike. And the, the DOD there in, in Kabul, they were given the choice of whether or not, by the Taliban, of whether or not to secure the entire city or to secure the airport itself. We chose to secure the airport itself, giving the Taliban free reign. They controlled every checkpoint other than the actual gates of the airport. If you set up in a place like Bagram, then people can come. And again, like you said, you can see them from a distance. You could have set up smaller checkpoints that weren't the immediate gate where everyone was gathering. That is what led to the bombing was all the congestion. You couldn't tell what was what. And then right. we find out later that uh, they actually maybe could see and they had a predator lock on the person that they thought was the bomber and they right. chose Call not it. to fire. Right. But the other biggest problem is the, the airport in Kabul was in a city center. It was surrounded by not, not just all the congestion, tall buildings, tall buildings that had right. a direct shot into the airport. That is another massive difference between an, an actual military air base and a civilian airport surrounded by hotels that have a clear vantage point into the airport. Yeah, as I heard somebody say, is like one mortar off of a rooftop under the center of, of a run of the runway. There's only one runway at Kabul airport. Um, and you basically, you know, as far as you, you could get like C one thirties in and out with something like that. But other than that, the big jets, you, you've shut it down for their, which use. was the majority of civilian transport, right? Biden kind of defended these decisions. I'm reading some quotes from an article on the Hill where Biden had the quote um, of why, why we pulled out so quickly and why we could do this and it was going to be fine. He said, a, a quote, the Taliban is not the North Vietnamese army. They're not remotely comparable in terms of capability. They're going to be no, there are going to be no circumstances where you're going to see people being lifted off the roof of an embassy in the United States from Afghanistan. Uh, another quote, the likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. They originally, there was intelligence reports that thought it would take six months until the Taliban would take over once we pulled out. But we can see that they were wrong. We pulled out and immediately uh, it, everything fell into chaos. And then we saw what happened at Kabul. And, and I wanted to say, 
that's what I was referring to earlier. That's not that they were wrong. That's a lie. And it's proven, shown to be a lie because they withdrew without telling anybody and powered down the entire Bagram Air Base, meaning they knew there was nobody that was going to defend it. It was not going to be useful. There was going to be no fight back. Otherwise, you wouldn't do that. So it's not that they were wrong. They lied. They knew what was going to happen, and they pulled out and flipped the switch and turned the place off because they knew it was over. Then, of course, we saw the bombing at Kabul and the videos of people hanging off the uh, the planes taking off and um, tragic, tragic scene. And then we go on to find out, you know, they say, oh, we retaliated. We took out the target. But it comes out later uh, in an article from the Daily Wire that we really that that is not true. We did not get this target. It says an explosive new investigative report from the New York Times released on Friday reveals that the man targeted by the U.S. military in a drone strike last month, which the Biden administration claimed was to neutralize an ISIS threat, was actually an aid worker who worked for a U.S. organization and who had applied for a refugee resettlement in the U.S., The quote from the report said, throughout the day, an MQ-9 Reaper drone continued to track Mr. Ahmadi's vehicle as it drove around Kabul, and U.S. officials claimed they intercepted communications between the sedan and the alleged ISIS safe house, instructing it to make several stops. But the people who rode with Mr. Ahmadi that day said that what the military interpreted as a series of suspicious moves was simply a normal day at work. Later, when they were making the decision to fire, although the target was now inside a densely populated residential area, the drone operator quickly scanned and saw only a single adult male greeting the vehicle and therefore assessed with, quote, reasonable certainty that no women, children or noncombatants would be killed, U.S. officials said. But according to his relatives, as Mr. Ahmadi pulled into his courtyard, several of his children and his brother's children came out excited to see him and sat in the car as he backed it inside. So this well, so-called okay. I, retaliation I saw... to neutralize the threat, we actually took out a U.S. aid worker and his kids and nieces and nephews. I've seen just now in the last day a story that they could not confirm that they, they claimed right off the bat that they had killed two ISIS-K targets. And now they're saying that they couldn't confirm that. And Blinken was just questioned about that today by Rand Paul in the Senate hearing as to whether or not um, they know whether that they killed, if they killed an ISIS-K target or if they killed the U.S. aid worker. He said, I don't know. Wow. So right. first of all, we've already seen that they know that this is that aid worker. I've, I, you know, they, they had pictures of him from just before they you know, launched a rocket at him. But also, how do you launch a missile from a Predator drone before confirming the identity of your target? Just because he was he was acting funny? And that's when Rand Paul said, we don't kill people and then investigate the killing. We investigate people yes. and then we kill them. And this whole idea that we went over there because when you are attacked, you retaliate with force to send a message that you don't mess with us. And then this happens and we kind of just like, well, let's just shoot a missile and say it was, except ISIS knows that we didn't actually retaliate. So what's going to stop them from reemerging? And I haven't heard anything about, I haven't heard anything about it recently, but when it first happened, um, there was some talk from people who were there in Afghanistan that the, they were, 
trading intelligence with the Taliban at the time to to launch that attack on ISIS-K. So it is very possible that the coordinates and the target for that airstrike came from the Taliban and we relied oh. on Taliban intel to launch a missile and it killed a U.S. aid worker. That sounds... Let's cut to the chase here. After the 13 were killed, the 13 military plus all the 100 civilians, Biden got up and talked tough. We're going to find these guys. And so, and everybody was like, what are you going to, what is this decaying sack of oatmeal going to do? And so what did he do? Two days later, he found the best excuse he had and launched a rocket. It's that simple. Yeah. And was it done in coordination with the Taliban? Yeah, probably, because I believe that the whole pullout was at least semi-organized with the Taliban. Well, we know, I mean, we know it was because we gave right. them the list of Americans and SIV holders, assuming that because they're idiots, well, that right. the Taliban would let them through the checkpoints, but, but, but they gave them that, a kill list. But not only that, we said, no, that's okay. We don't need to control Kabul during this. You control it. We'll just move inside the airport. You don't have to say more than that. The Taliban can figure out what it is that you're telling them. Yeah, so... So then we complete the pullout. We leave Kabul as well. But now we've left behind, and we'll get to the people that are stuck there. But first, uh, the equipment that we left behind from Bagram and everywhere else, we have an image from the Times that breaks down the Taliban's new arsenal of over 22,000 Humvees, 8,000 trucks, over 600. I don't even know what those are. Force vehicles. Yeah, we have, yeah. Um, Hundreds of tanks, thousands of trucks, over 64,000 machine guns, 350,000 rifles. The night vision goggles, I think, is a huge one. Helicopters, aircraft. It's insane. The night vision goggles is is bigger than people think. Um, Just because it's not a weapon that kills people. Uh, Part of the United States, at least, you know, close combat stuff our advantage has been night vision the we taliban, can fight at night and the they taliban yeah the taliban was in the stone age being able to see in the night is a superpower when it comes to combat and we have just handed that over to the taliban not to mention our night vision technology far exceeded any other night vision technology in the world and the when the taliban took all of that equipment and they took it over the border to iran and they took it over the border to china they just gave them all of our best stuff to reverse engineer so not only did the Taliban gain night vision at all? Now China is going to improve its night vision it. technology, and China is going I mean, inevitably is going to be a problem. Some peer to peer combat, and we've just given them a little bit of a, a bump up too. I'd like to have just one Humvee and one set of night vision goggles, and I'd be happy. <laughs> I believe you can buy those um, some of those vehicles at auction after they're done. You can, and I've some of those transport them, vehicles. But, um, they're, they take the doors off of them. Uh, we may know someone. Soft tops. Oh, okay. <laughs> Another thing that you didn't even mention, because again, people don't think about it, is 162,000 radios. Radios. Do you know what those radios have on them? Obviously, we will. Well, I, I said, bef- I would think naturally that obviously we would change the encryption Encryption. that's on those radios but i can't say for sure anymore the only benefit is that we're going to be able to hear what they're saying but they're so used to act 
to acting without those things that they'll still be able to do what they've been doing the whole time. It's just that now they'll be able to hear us. So my husband is entering the army right now, and it's unlikely he'll ever be overseas in that kind of setting because he's going to be a nurse in a hospital. However, just this idea of a potential of, and you know, the soldiers that are not my husband that I don't know personally, but still tragic, that we're going to then have to send them over. If if this does reemerge, we're going to have to send them over now. And we've totally set them up for failure They're and put them in extra at risk and in danger. Not to mention that everything that you're trained about looking at the, to look at you know, uniform or the equipment that they're using to be able to identify people is out the window. How do I know if this guy is, this guy is in a U.S. using U.S. equipment and in a U.S. army. Yeah, unless we change all of our uniform. uniforms, we're not going to know. We're, we're not going to know. And I think Lindsey Graham, I can't remember what show he was on, but said with 100% certainty that we'll be back. We'll have to go back. As soon as they start using Afghanistan as a hub to launch different attacks with all the things that we gave them, how can we not go back? Have you seen some of the videos of them using our equipment? Yeah. And they're just ecstatic. Good for them. But have you seen the video of them using Mm -hmm. the workout equipment inside of the presidential palace? It gives you a little bit of confidence against them that no matter (laughs) how good of equipment you give them, it's not going to matter. Or them trying to do jumping jacks on this British documentary that uh, I saw part of. Yeah, that the wasn't the thing, Taliban, though. That was the rejects that was given to the Afghan National Army. Right. That was the ANA. Right. Yeah. I, one thing I like, again, like to boil things down to the most simple. And I thought Laura Logan nailed what I was thinking. We can do anything we want. The United States has the power, the money, the technology, the skill, the experience to do anything we want. If we didn't want this to happen and go this way, it wouldn't have happened this way. And they, they, end of story. No, they can't. They can affect any outcome at will. Yes. Yes. So why did this happen? Because they wanted it to. Exactly. That's the obvious answer. Exactly. Obvious We're going to talk more about that. So the equipment left behind, but we've talked a little bit about the people left behind and how you mentioned that we provided the Taliban a list, essentially, for them, a hit list. And this is not over. I, we can't let this be swept on the road because there are people still there to the point you that you don't see it on mainstream media, but they're taking full advantage of that list. Right. And to the point that civilians have had to take it into their own hands to get people out. And an article from The Independent that talks about the Pineapple Express operation in which special ops, uh, a group of U.S. war veterans launched a highly dangerous mission to save hundreds of at-risk Afghan allies and their families. Members of the volunteer group called the Pineapple Express told ABC News that as many as 500 Afghans and their families have been smuggled into Kabul's airport under cover of night and handed over to protective custody of the U.S. military. So this is while we were still there. But they weren't. We weren't doing anything to go out and get people and help them get to the airport. The group, made up of current and former U.S. special operators, aid workers, intelligence officers, and others, had banded together to bring as many Afghan allies to safety as they could, working unofficially with the United States military and U.S. embassy. And also, I know the other groups, non-military groups, such as Glenn Beck's group Mercury One, had their own efforts to get people out. They organized. flights. I don't know how many flights, but the planes were grounded and stuck at the Mazar-e-Sharif. Anyone know how to say that properly? Airport. Uh, Pretty close. Mazar-e-Sharif. More than 1,600 people, including over 100 Americans, 
that were expected to evacuate on the planes and all the non-Americans had their papers and um, special visas ready, but the Taliban wouldn't, didn't grant them clearance and amid negotiations with the State Department, they were stuck. So essentially being held hostage because you know that the Taliban is not going to let them go unless they can get something for it. And if you pay attention to anything other than the mainstream media, you, you will have already seen all the accounts of these civilian groups going in to save people. I mean, we, we know all that. And it was a lot of people. So, yes, civilians were doing the job that the that the that the government was good for them for doing it. But they never should have had to do that. No, they shouldn't. And it was and it was far more efficient than the military probably would have done it. That's and sadly true. On top of all of that, then the State Department followed these private groups that were trying to save people and were just shutting them down at every possibility. I heard stories of these civilian groups not being able to obviously land at the Kabul airport, especially after we lost control of it. So they would make deals with neighboring countries and they would land there. And immediately, as soon as they would land there to set up their operation, to continue getting people out across countries' borders, the State Department would come in right behind them and cut their legs out from underneath them and shut it down. It was yeah. not just leaving people there. We were actively, actively keeping people from coming back. Think about this. They were getting people out by crossing other national borders. You're telling me that if you can get people across national borders, you can't get them to Bagram? And how many? And, and the worst part about having to do that is uh, think about some of the bordering countries. I mean, the only one that will maybe pretend to play ball is Pakistan. and Only because we're giving them insane amounts of yeah but your, what's your other op, your other options are tajikistan which is far away you have to go through the mountains in panjshir it's a difficult border to get to and then the other one's iran yeah they're not playing ball so i this is crazy to me i did not know this until you Cade, sent these articles that this is what's happening right now the people that people have been stuck at the not able to leave that airport and these articles that say that there is a terrorist running the passport operations. So an article cited that a hostage in Afghanistan scolded President Joe Biden's administration Friday for stranding him in the jihadist controlled nation for over 10 days after the deadly evacuation concluded. The This guy that was stranded said, I don't know what the issue is. Is it a political issue or they don't care about us? I'm sorry, sir. Yes, they don't care about you. Yeah, they don't but, care about you. Right. And so yeah, Hakadi, an FBI wanted terrorist with connections to Al-Qaeda and a $10 million bounty for alleged attacks and kidnapping, is in charge of passport control in Afghanistan. He, and they actually include in the article the shot of his wanted, his FBI wanted poster. Meanwhile, while Blinken is saying, praising the, saying that the evacuation is extraordinary and claiming that only a hundred Americans were trapped. They also previously said we've rescued 6,000 and they originally said there were 11,000 there. That doesn't leave a hundred. I have a degree in math and I also, believe that doesn't leave a hundred left. When you see the total number that they're claiming, what was it like the 124,000 or something like that, that they claim that they've evacuated since all this started, almost all of that was private NGOs doing it themselves. And also in that total number was other countries evacuating their, their own citizens. citizens. And we took credit for that. That number, that number is not what the U.S. government, the State Department is responsible for getting out. 
And I have heard nothing. I knew nothing of the fact that this FBI wanted terrorist was running the passport operations. Nobody is getting out of that place. And he has a $10 million price on his head. He's the head of a whole terror network yes. named after him. Yeah, he's the he is the namesake of the Haqqani network. network. Uh, an entire, you know, an entire network of different terrorist cells. What about all the people that they got out that we have no idea who they are? This is one of the things that drives me insane when they talk about vetting. Um, as somebody who's been in two branches of the military, held various different security levels, um, I've been I've been vetted many, you know, several times. You, Cassidy, have been through the yeah, vetting so process. Yeah, two out of three of us it know this process intimately. It doesn't happen, you know, in five minutes or five days. It, it takes months sometimes to vet people. And they don't have the ability. I mean, this isn't the United and States. And that's us who our have, backgrounds were re- very easy. Probably right. Are readily available. You can yeah. access all everything about us very easily. That's not the way it is in Afghanistan. This is just insane. Again, everything is being done to just bring chaos and destruction to our country but, so that then they can fill it with what they want to fill it with. Remember, though, you talk about how your guys' background was so easy and all these other ones were not. I'd say for the most part, the ones who are easy to vet are the ones who do have a a background in terrorism. We know who they are. Right. Well, not you. We were just talking about how basically all outcomes are decided by whatever the U.S. government wants. The same is to be said of our intelligence gathering. It is off the charts. It is nothing like you could ever even imagine. The profile on everyone in the United States is they they could search you by they could search you by name and they could know almost everything about you. Same to be said with these terrorists. If any of them get through, it's because they wanted them to. Yeah, big tech knows they. You know, I've, I've watched several shows on big tech lately, and they claim basically uh, by just gleaning you know data from our the usage of our smartphones, our devices, our, our you know our internet searches, our credit cards. They know more about you than your spouse knows about you in, in when it comes to detail. And I this guy in charge of passports and you know we're saying that he's a wanted terrorist though they're saying that the taliban are not terrorists they're a different entity they're not the same as al-qaeda uh or isis but they're all the same they're no different it's the same ideology the same underlying motivations they're no different i've heard from people that i trust though at this point that do say that even though a lot of their objectives are the same, the Taliban and this ISIS-K really are from a different generation, and they really do hate each other. Um, they might hate each they're, other, they're, but they, they both, yeah, there's a lot of infighting. Us. Yeah, they, they, yeah, they hate each other. There's been a lot of infighting, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, their their main objective is to kill all the infidels. The enemy of my enemy is is my friend. There is an article in the Daily Wire here that says just to show that they're no different that the taliban in a promotional video piece claimed blamed america for the 9-11 hijackings in a new release newly released video that was aired on afghan television the production called victorious force three is the latest in a short series in a series of short films celebrating the taliban's martyrdom seeking squadrons that is the units responsible for conducting complex suicide attacks so the taliban in their own piece, talking up their suicide bombers and blaming America the same as Al-Qaeda and ISIS. 
And also the Taliban in another report, the Taliban forces in the Panjshir Valley are rounding up all males 12 and over and over and taking them away. The individuals being taken are not being questioned. There's no indication that any of these individuals will ever return. No camps have been built to hold them. Residents of the valley assume they will all be killed as part of a genocidal cleansing. They want to entirely strip the area of any males with knowledge of the period of American occupation. It's believed by the Taliban that it's necessary to cleanse the area of anyone who might be able to organize resistance to the regime in the future. It's a complete totalitarian, theocratic group and government, if you can call it government. When it, I mean, when it comes to the whole the whole genocide thing, again, not something you'll see in in the mainstream news, but I've I've seen pictures. I've seen videos. It's not something that you're going to find casually watching the news or even looking on looking on social media. But I've seen I've, I've seen it already. Yeah, you uh, you seem to know sources of uh, some really dark stuff the majority of what i've seen of the actual of the actual genocide stuff is is stuff that's been shared by laura logan that is who um i saw a video of uh, of some men there was no context but without a doubt uh it, it did though say it was in the panshir where they hung two men and then just shot them yeah and so it, it's it's absolutely happening it's just that you're you, what what most people are watching on TV, they're never going to cover that. And it, it goes beyond as a, as a Christian. Also, there's a, an impact to the church in an article in from the daily wire that said that the Taliban was going door to door, seeking Christians, searching through phones for Bible apps. There is an underground church that partners with frontier Alliance international. Um, and according to the F- FAI, the Frontier Alliance International. They said the Taliban is hit is, has a hit list of known Christians they are targeting to pursue and kill. The Taliban are going door to door, taking women and children. The people must mark their house with an X if they have a girl over 12 years old so that the Taliban can take them. If they find a young girl and the house was not marked, they will execute the entire family. If a married woman 25 years or older has been found, the Taliban promptly kill her husband, do whatever they want to her, and then sell her as a sex slave. It's horrifying. They're looking through people's phones. Anything that gives them away as a Christian, they kill you on the spot. And and again, we know it's happening. And if it's an, it, whatever this outcome is, it's because we want it to happen, especially the stuff going on in the Panjshir right now where they are just punishing anybody who attempted any kind of resistance i mean they're still doing it but they are they're losing and and the biggest reason they're losing that you're also not going to hear about is because they're being bombed by pakistan they're being bombed by pakistan who is supporting the taliban i've seen some other stuff now where they have pictures of um a pakistani uh military um soldier was killed in the fighting of the taliban versus the united front and they now have evidence that the actual pakistani military is supporting the taliban in their effort to defeat the united front and who's been and we're letting it happen pakistan uh the cia yeah i mean we're we're funding we're funding the pakistan military and the pakistan intelligence service and then we're going and and they're supporting the taliban and then we go over and we fight the taliban so we are fighting ourselves ourselves. it's insane um and then what really is frustrating i sat there and watched uh secretary of state blinken today as he was being questioned uh and just absolutely 
play dumb. Like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And none of this comes up. He'll admit to none of it. And then he actually sat there and just had a smirk on his face. Just this disgusting smirk. I just give me 10 minutes alone with him after I get done with uh, Millie. And how in the world can this be going on? Yet they've also convinced people here brainwashed these young people campus reform did a video at the university of florida and these students said that education about the 9-11 attacks should avoid placing blame and they called for a stop to perpetuating ideas of american exceptionalism can i comment on that before american exceptionalism we need to explain what that means it doesn't mean that we are so wonderful and greater and smarter and wonderful and good than everybody else. That's not what exceptionalism, it means the American form of government, our system of running the show is the exception to what has existed throughout the history of the world. And that is a fact. We are the exception. We are not a tyrannical dictatorship, a monarch, or any of those kinds of things. We are this representative republic. Um, it, it is the exception to everything that has gone before it in world history. That's what's meant by American exceptionalism. Right. They think it means we're just greater than, and they say it's rooted in a lot of colonistic and imperialist notions of how we should treat other people. But also the Virginia Department of Education, they promoted a teacher training video, which instructed teachers to avoid calling the 9-11 killers, quote, terrorist, and to avoid promoting American exceptionalism exceptionalism during lessons about the attack. They wanted to promote a, quote, culturally responsive and inclusive 9-11 commemoration, end quote, to guide teachers how to broach the sensitive subject, quote, in a way that does not cause harm. Can these morons give me the definition of terror? Yes, this teacher. If that's not terrorism. Then this teacher said that asking students to stand and condemn 9-11 in a performative way would be highly inappropriate. Excuse me. She suggested to use the word extremists instead of terrorists to to further, quote, disrupt the false equivalency of Muslims and terrorism. So, yes, not all Muslims, but why so disproportionately many? We have to talk about the fundamental ideologies of this religion that lead to, quote, extremists or terrorists. Yeah, they are opposed to what we believe as a nation and certainly as Christians. Um, both of those, they oppose them. They believe that they must be destroyed in the same way that they believe that Israel should be wiped off of the face of the earth. It is not a matter of if they just had more McDonald's and more shopping centers and Netflix, you know, better, th that they'd all be happy and just stop you know, flying planes into buildings. No, we, we just up. tried that. That's we not, just tried that. Right. That's what we've that done for the last right. 20 years. That is not and the issue. In a matter of weeks, that right. was completely undone. So they yeah, it's absolutely different, not it. disagree with us. They think right. that they are diametrically opposed. Evil. Ideology. Yeah, I... And it is terror. It, think about the level of terror and the level of fear that the Afghan army would need to completely bend over backwards without... Uh, did they fight? Did they fight at all before the Taliban completely took over their entire country? That is a level of generational fear and terror that has been instilled in those people gen for generations. I mean, for them to for them to just give up like that, I mean, it's terrorism. So this was clearly all malfeasance, and we've talked about all of these repercussions. So then the question is, 
somebody needs to be held responsible. Who's going to be held responsible? There have to be repercussions for this. We've mentioned a few times how they're holding the hearings, the Foreign Affairs Committee hearings right now, and they're trying to shift blame and deny knowing anything. What's going to happen to these people? Nothing. Uh, right. That's why I was just going to say, I hate to tell you this, but the answer is nothing. And, and because... don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There are going to be repercussions, but it's going to be suffered by by us, us. and it's going to be suffered by every other innocent bystander in the right. world. Right. Uh, when 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 you see a massive uptick in the people terrorism, in, the people in power will not suffer, but we will suffer. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that they're not going to suffer and it goes to um, we were touching on this before we started our podcast. Um, they our politicians that are in office right now are doing things that in the past no politician would have ever dreamed of doing because they would have been held responsible at the election at the next election. The fact that the that they are governing the way that they're governing tells me they are not concerned about the next election because nobody who in a legitimate election that's doing the things that they're doing could get reelected. And they're not at all concerned about getting reelected. The jig is up, the fix is in and the next, and they, they feel like they've got elections are no longer a problem for them. Even if that individual didn't get elected for it, Whoever does get elected is also in their pocket and their tool. I don't want to get too deep into this because it's really its own entire podcast. But if you've heard this term thrown around recently of the Great Reset, and it's basically this idea that there's this group of elites, and and it's not an idea. They have them. They themselves are the ones that announced it. But this group of elites that wants to take control of the entire global economy and. Uh, to basically reorder global society. And they see all these, any crises, they see COVID, climate change, any type of crisis as an opportunity to further their goals and to take more control. And they'll even go to the point of creating a crisis. So like you've said, the only explanation for this is that they wanted it to happen. And the only thing I can think is that, and it sounds conspiratorial, but that they wanted it to happen to leverage it as another tool for this, to frighten us into handing more of our lives over. Well, yeah, okay. They, um, they, in order for a global, you know, a reset of global society, and I know Biden is a supporter of this and the people that control him are supporters of this idea. In order for that to happen, America has to be torn down and American ideas and the American economy. So who's surprised that everything that they do, everything the Biden administration has done, seems designed to tear down, destroy American ideals, destroy the American economy yeah, put more that's, power that's what in it their is. hands in big tech in big financial institutions. I hate to bring up Laura Logan again. We've talked about her a lot, but just so people people who don't know, she's been a reporter on the ground in Afghanistan basically since the beginning. That's why she's such a credible source. But when she was talking, um, you know, recently to Tucker Carlson after all this happened, she said that this event, the fact that. Afghanistan was nation building. It was us trying to spread our form of democracy to other places around the world and to see it collapse so quickly. It was the American dream. It was the American system on trial and it lost in the public eye and we lost all faith of all of our um, all of our allies around the world. That That's what this was. You're correct. I think it was put together. I think it was staged. It was America on trial and it lost in the public eye. Well, there are a lot of 
aspects of America and ideas going on right now that I don't necessarily want to. Fine, it was our constitutional republic that was put on trial and it died. In all this, I just want to say when we talk about this causing confusion and and destruction, and, and when there's a crisis, they can come in and get power. The word that I see in all of this, it keeps coming to my mind, is anarchy. They want anarchy. Now, they're, they're not anarchist, but they want anarchy for the sake of chaos that goes along with it so that we can come in. And, 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 and they're using people that are anarchist. The, a lot of these rioters that have you know, been out there over the last year and a half, they are anarchists. They want anarchy just for the sake of anarchy. And our politicians you, you have to are completely, using these people. You, you mean so they can come in and down. be the savior? Yes. Yes. But the anarchists are just anarchists. But then the, right. but the politicians no. use the anarchists so that they can, can then come in and be the solution. You have to completely break something down before, before you can build it back up. And I'll I'll say that's kind of my view on it's really the only way we're ever going to get back to our original that was going to be my landing constitution yeah. anyway. So now is, what? This is going to break down. It is one hundred percent going to happen. It just depends on who wins out in the end. Are we going to build build back up to be what we once were when it all falls apart and and, and goes to complete anarchy, or is it going to get built up according to? what the people in charge of the great reset want what which one is it going to be but it has to fail first so you so the more optimistic person right now would still say be fighting we have to stop you know what we need to do now is we have to keep talking about it and we have to stop handing them our over our lives and we have to remove and replace them from the places of power but from that's what not I'm hearing, optimistic it like that's delusional it's too late and we have to set ourselves up to build it back it- it's yes. like I said, it's like I was telling you the last time, this is Everything like is the risk game. This is the risk game. They have too many levels, uh, levers of power. It's too late. You might be in the game risk and you still have a little landmass. So you're still in the game, but it doesn't matter. It's only a matter of time. You are going to be completely crushed because the other guy has so much landmass. You know, yeah, you're still in the game. You still got a little bit of land, but it does. You've still you you've already lost. There's so much because momentum. They, they, it's, they've got it's, so much momentum. They got so many levels of power. There's there's nothing you can do to what some agency can't come after you for doing it, and they're going to crush you for it. I've thought about it in, in, in the aspect of a lot of different things before I've thought to myself, well, how are we ever going to take a step back from what we have right now, as far as entitlement programs, how are we ever going to get the education system back to what it should be? And I've always come back to, it's not going to happen until it all falls apart and something new comes, right? The only way that, whether that something new is something good or something bad, I I don't know. Also, when you said entitlement programs, I think of all the excessive and unnecessary government entities and groups, organizations, boards, whatever, the only way to get rid of those things is for everything to just disappear, to crumble. Well, sorry, we completely (laughs) ruined That's a real downer. That's a real downer. So prepare yourself. The only inevitable outcome is for things to crumble. Prepare yourself. Yes. Think about what you can do in your, where you can find enjoyment in your day-to-day, in your family. Like when you see the people, um, like you see a picture of two people that are hugging each other, but they're frozen to death. 
Like they, you know, they went out like loving yeah, each other. It's like the Rose do, and Jack the Titanic. Yeah, do um, that. Oh, I, yeah, they're they're dead and they're embraced. Though, I guess that was a bad example. But also, this if it's it's a rethink. If if this is going to destroy your entire life, then you have rooted your hope too much in the wrong thing in your country. So know that it's temporary. It's going to fall. So. Put yourself in a kingdom that lasts. Go to go to my uh, go to search me on YouTube and watch last Sunday's sermon about having an eternal perspective, and that will help you out some. You can't put um, all your faith and all your hope into something of man. I, I want to close from my part, anyways, on this, and we talked about it earlier, but and that is, goes back to George uh, W. Bush's comments on this past 9/11. For him to make the comments that he did was so grotesque being that he was the president that resided during that time who stood on the piles of rubble at ground zero knowing what had just occurred and the people that chose to do that knowingly chose to commit that act of terror and kill 3,000 people to equate it to to uh january 6th here's my message out of that folks he is and so many are there stop if you are conservative, stop being blindly committed to the Republicans. There is only one party in Washington, the Uniparty, and then there's about six to 10 people who are got a half a decent head on their shoulders. You've got to stop just blindly supporting Republicans and demanding more from our elected officials. Vote conservative. Do not vote Republican. If you're a conservative, get involved. If you know a conservative out there who wants to get involved, help support them. But stop thinking that the Republican Party is going to fix this because George Bush spit on the graves of the people that were his constituents that put him in office. Think about that. He 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 made fun of, he mocked, he belittled the his constituents that voted for him and put him in office. Those are the kind of people that were at the Capitol on January 6th and he spit on them. Yeah. Well, if you have stuck around with us this long, thanks for listening. Please like and comment and share it. Follow. We are now officially on Spotify and tune in. Haven't heard back from everyone else. They're still uh, approving it but we should be on more platforms. I've, I've been liking Spotify more and more. Check out Spotify. All Spotify right. is good. Check it out on Spotify.